I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. Actually, we should do something special because this is Halloween. This is the oh, Halloween. it is Halloween. This is all hey, just got the shivers and the nope. This all just happened at the same time. Halloween, the night when you know uh, the veil is at its thinnest. Uh, all the Hallows Eve are there. Uh, Jack O the Lantern is out and about. Uh, and you know we had to carve his face into turnips. So to you know to scare him away because he's wicked Jack, but you know now we do it in pumpkins over here because it's just easier. Has he ever tried carving a turnip? No, uh, but it sounds like a terrible idea. What I do see is the lovely dog Tolly behind listening to us, but she just looked like she had demon eyes there. Tolly, what oh, are yeah. you? Doing? Yeah, no, those red glowing embers. Yeah, so oh it's yeah, creepy. look at that. Oh, okay. So how do Good we want to... It's not a video podcast, gang. Oh, my God. Yeah, just, yeah no, creepy as crap. About poor Tally there. But so for Samhain, those that celebrate, you know, you know what to do. You you know, dance naked around the fire and, uh, and you know, be happy for the harvest and be, you know, wear the, the coming nights where the nights are now going to be at their darkest and, you know, until the solstice um you know we're we're, yes. we're, we're we're at gang the long winter is here winter is coming so <laughs> and, and the zombies so yep. we will just say if you're listening on this wonderful all hollows eve remember the veil is thin and you know before we get into our amazing amazing story here just remember that everybody you see this night may not be from this world. So yeah, like, it's, like we say, there are always more trick-or-treaters than there are kids in the neighborhood. So, um, but uh, especially if you give out the good candy bars. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, uh, I do want to say that we, we recently got a letter, uh, one, of the, uh, one of our wonderful listener questions. And this was something I wanted to discuss. And... This is for me, Halloween is all about telling tales, right? Because that's what I am. I'm a storyteller. It's what that's I true. do. And it's what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's been the tale as old as time, right? This is what we did sitting around the fires as cavemen and stuff like that. We we sat around and we carved pictographs and we described the adventures and things we did. So, and how to protect ourselves from the unknown, the supernatural, the paranormal, the you know the things that we did not understand, the preternatural, as we like to say. So, um, but this listener question, you know, really hit me. So, Erica, why don't you read this question? I shall. And I, you know what, I realized we forgot to say, Mark. Mm. Hey, travelers, happy Halloween! Oh my goodness, happy Halloween! Ooh, you did way creepier than I did, but that's okay. Okay, here hey, we go. My holiday. Yes, it is your it is our holiday. Okay. So greetings, travelers. Greetings. greetings. Hey. Yeah. I grew up in the early 80s and 90s in the Indianapolis area. The time before cell phones could videotape what? our ridiculous crap. No I one was alive back then. Are you kidding? Was there even dirt? No, just yeah. kidding. Okay. Our local channel WTTV4 in Indy 
there was a show called Nightmare Theater. It aired every Friday night, and the host, Sammy Terry, and his spider friend, George. Wait, I got to read that again. Um, The host, Sammy Terry, and his spider friend, George. Oh, I did read that correctly. Sammy Terry. You get it? Sammy Terry. Oh, Sammy Terry. (laughs) (laughs) That's, oh, I can't believe I didn't get that. Stop judging me, listeners. Okay. Um, Would host old horror movies. As a child, I was so scared of this guy. Oh, I feel you. I know where this is going. And to this day, can hear his ominous laugh. Did you watch anything similar growing up? I love the podcast and books. Safe travels, Eric. Well, hello, Eric. Eric, and uh, don't worry, I won't imitate Sammy Terry's wonderful laugh, but we will put the link to that in the yes, show notes because I'm doing it is that a as we YouTube speak. of the Sammy Terry intro. And uh, yes. we will put that in the show notes. So you should definitely watch that. Now, I love that you grew up watching horror hosts and nightmare theater. And so I am going to take us on a, the way back machine. We're going to go through time and we are going to discuss horror hosts because I cannot think of a more Halloween thing, except eating lots of candy corn and giant Snickers. Oh, uh, I love corn. But to answer Eric, your question, because Mark's about to take us in the way back machine, like he likes to. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We both had horror hosts that we absolutely loved and made our childhoods part of what our childhoods became and why we became the nice creepy people that we are so yes to answer your question and mark where are we going on the way back machine i think we go way back to like where we discussed for our wonderful war of the worlds which i hope some of you are listening to on this night um and radio theater because that is where i think this really starts is there used to be shows like lights out and um, there were a few others, the the Whistler, and uh, and they were they would be they were basically anthology shows where the predate the Twilight Zone, predate uh-huh. these things. But there was always some voice, some omnipotent character who was basically the teller of the tale, and so became not really part of the story. But it was the reason you were able to listen to the story, yeah. right? Lights out. You know, uh, I, I remember my my parents would actually turn off the lights to listen to Lights Out Theater. So, uh, yeah, that was they, they were telling me about that as, as I was growing up listening to them on cassettes and even <laughs> RP, LPs before that. What um, is a cassette, Mark? What is exactly? What is LP? Uh, well, vinyl's <laughs> in again, so you know. Uh, vinyl's but, in again, cool, but um, yeah. I will tell you, cassette tapes are not. <laughs> yeah, eight yeah, tracks were the worst, uh, but um, especially when they got stuck. Uh, but um, yeah, so that was kind of where this begins, right? And then as that transitions into television, mm-hmm. you know, um, we get Rod Serling. And we get the Twilight Zone. We get Alfred Hitchcock presents with with Hitchcock, you know, introducing his story for the evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You know, and uh, yes. well, we get Rod Serling. You're starting on a journey. 
journey not only of sight and sound, but of mind. And that's why I watch these things so much. I I can do minor impressions of them still, even though I'm you know 50 years older than when I was. But uh, uh it's so that was what started it all, right? But then the movie theaters, right, had come up with this thing where we discussed this when we did our horror movie episode, where we talked about where they started re-releasing the classic movies and they would re-release them in shock theater. They would call it where they would show oh, Dracula yeah. and Frankenstein together on the big screen. Do you dare watch both these movies that have been around since the thirties, but it's the fifties. Can you watch them both sitting together at the same time? And they would generally have a host, someone who would dress in a cape and, you know, would just be very theatrical and, and introduce the stories Yep. I actually didn't know this. And I think one of the things we need to remind people of is there were not um, the VHS, a.k.a. having your own yeah. personal movie in your house, did not happen until the no. 80s. Right. The 80s and stuff. So, yeah. So in the 50s and 60s, going to see these things was the only way to see them. Uh, and then they were even re-released in the 70s sometimes with these things. Finally the 80s right television channels are now staying on later mm -hmm. television channels are you know doing things like that but what happened was is in the 50s they would sell these movies to the tv stations because the tv stations were desperate for content this isn't like now where there's a hundred channels and everybody's got a show you know reality yeah. shows and all this you had three big networks and if you weren't one of the three big and you were trying to do an independent channel or or maybe even you only had the prime timeline up for an independent channel, you could pay the licensing fee for. You still had all these hours of television to fill. So you would buy content and you would buy these old, old movies because they were cheap. They were yes. giving away, uh, particularly Universal and particularly uh, Columbia Pictures. And they would give away. You, the studios would have to buy to get the good movies that they wanted would have to buy these package deals, which included all the schlock, the really terrible movies from the fifties and sixties that they figured nobody would ever want to see, but it was a good way to get rid of, make some money, get rid of some inventory and feel like you're getting a better, you know, we're giving you a hundred movies. You should be happy to give us $6,000 for this. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and, and air it on your television. So, but what they did was when they got these things, these television personalities would look at these things and go, wait a minute, this is like really terrible horror stuff. And what if we did like shock theater and we brought them back and we showed them both together? Because honestly, it's also the 1950s. How are families going to handle watching Dracula and Frankenstein at home? Dracula is now in their house. Remember, this is a short while after War of the Worlds where everybody mm -hmm. panicked and we didn't even understand this television stuff a lot, you know. So we've been watching it from World War II, but even that was mostly radio and all this. So this was finally when every house had a TV. And so how are we going to do this? Hey, let's get a host. Let's yeah. get somebody to make it a little less scary, right? Let's to show you it's not real. We'll have somebody in a Dracula cape come out and introduce it. Well, who's it going to be? Oh, uh, let's get one of the, the guy who's on the local weather station. He's got a great voice. 
and he can do voices. We'll have him do this. So, uh, but it really starts with one host in particular, a lady in California who comes up with a character. And for those in the know, she's the queen of horror hosts. Um, and I, you know, even to this day, people say her name with pride, and that is Vampira. And a lot of people might have been thinking that you were going to say Elvira when you said Vampira. Yes. Because let's talk Elvira about Elvira. Has vamp- yeah, we'll get to Elvira eventually, but yes, yeah, she's a long way from this. The Vampira was the first, and she was actually a burlesque model. She'd done some pinup stuff. And she was in a costume contest wearing a Morticia Adams outfit from the Adams family. And um, and she kind of slid it up the side, right, a little bit. And she made it a little sexier. She brought the cleavage down a little bit. And because she was that kind of model, she was a pinup model. She did a little BDSM there. She kind of cinched the waist really tight. Um, I believe she still holds the record for one of the smallest waists in America. Uh, yeah, it, it, or in the world. Uh, I will have to check Guinness on that, but uh, she used to claim she had that award. And um, and she won that contest. And one of the TV stations said, hey, we've got these terrible movies. What if we put her on? She'll draw some viewers. And they gave her a teleprompter and they gave her kind of the the, the basic set and she had that famous couch uh, and then she would kind of lounge on it and and she actually would tell you this movie is terrible, but you're gonna watch it, you know, because you're gonna love it and and all this. And so it was fun to watch these things. Yes. And even then, you know, she was bringing back, she even admits she was kind of channeling Nora Desmond and you know from uh, you know from uh, previous films and stuff. So she was very sultry, sexy. And a monster. And she was, this is the first time we don't have Donna Reed on our TVs, right? This is, this is not Lucille Ball. What? This black haired seductress? I mean, you know, wow, this is, this is, you know, El- El- Morticia went a little bit, this is even further. Oh my goodness. You know, um, and so of course she's a huge hit. It, within a week, she's in Life Magazine as, uh, and then she's in Look as one of the top woman entertainer that year. Wow. Perspective, Danny Kaye was the top male entertainer that year for Singing in the Rain. That's how big she became. And, um, and of course, our wonderful friend, Ed Wood, the, the director of Plan 9 from Outer Space and other terrible movies, he latched onto her as her fame was kind of up and down, up and down, and got her to be in Plan 9. Um, and... Um, you know, but she was doing the shock theater stuff on television. So she begins it. And then others start picking up. Now, for those of you who weren't in the United States at this time, you were picking up comic books. And you would have been picking up things like Tales from the Crypt. Yes. And Eerie and Creepy. And they had guys who were doing the same thing. They were te- introducing the tales and all that. And so that's why a lot of these horror hosts they didn't even see each other. This was not national network stuff. Elvira, you know, Vampira had gotten some national news, but a lot of the others didn't. And they would do it on their own. But if you look at some of these, they all have the same tropes. 
It's usually yes. some creepy doctor lives in a castle, some creepy crypt guy coming out of a coffin, all this, because that's what the audience expected, because well, that's what the comics had taught them. That's what the shock theater had taught them. Also, if we take a look at these hosts generally, this was not some big money-making special effect. They were in a costume, in makeup, on a particular set, or maybe they walked around a little bit or came out of a coffin or were laying on a couch. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, they weren't there to do some big theatrical scripted thing. They were there to talk about the movie and get you interested in somewhat terrible movies at times. Like, yeah, no, this was really terrible movies. Time and just try to keep you on so you'd watch for the advertisers. And you'd watch for the advertisers because you know Vampiro is going to be on in a minute. But you know, uh, but then what happened was it starts become morphing into some of the guys doing it, and they're doing comedy bits with the things. And the king of that, you know, our king of of horror hosts. If if Vampira is the queen, Zachary is the king, or the you know the you know he's the one. Uh, he started as Jordan uh, with an ex exclamation on the end, John, Don. And he was like a zombie caretaker guy. And he had a very distinct laugh and a very ghoulish face. Um, and he had, and he would puns galore was his thing. Cause he knew these movies were terrible and he would show you the, uh, the best parts at the beginning. And then he would show you the movie. And it was just, it was just, and he would started doing where occasionally the movie would kind of cut to commercial break and on the low budget effects they had of the day, he would kind of insert himself into a bit of the movie. And you couldn't oh, wow. tell whether <laughs> that was really there or not. And he would sing these terrible, terrible songs. One of my, my favorites, and I still know it to this day. I, I learned it as a child was uh, Count Dracula sleeps in his coffin all day. At night times, the time that he comes out to play, he puts on his tuxedo uh, and tailcoat, black tux underneath, and pulls out his nail file and sharpens his teeth. It's just, <laughs> yeah, terrible. it's so bad. Uh, but you would watch it, not, again, different reasons than you watch Vampira, but you would watch for Zachary's bits and where he was commenting about the movie or he'd sneak into the movie and stuff. So that kept you tuned in to him. And now he's, these are the queen and queen kings of the 60s, you know, 60s, right? They 80s, dominate. 60s, yeah. And, and then there's more local ones that are popping up all over the place. Probably the most famous of which was Svengooli. Um, And he was, uh, he was, he was so different. He looked like a hippie, uh, but a zombie hippie. He would come out of a coffin. He had a rubber chicken. He was telling terrible jokes. And he did it for a long while and he was getting tired. He was actually the sportscaster and he was actually getting called to California to become a big time sportscaster. So he quit very quickly. Everybody remembers Fingouli for the longest time. And um, he had a Fingouli contest and handed it off. There was a guy who was actually literally writing jokes for him some fan was writing content for him 
Oh, wow. And so when he says, when it's time to go, you should give it to this guy. He's better than me. And so that guy became son of Svenguli. And he is still doing it to this day as Svenguli. That's Rich Cause is his yeah. name. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he is still doing it on MeTV. So he's nationally syndicated. But he took over in the 90s. He finally dropped the son of Svenguli because he had taken some time off. And then came back when they started bringing it back in the 90s. And uh, and then he just came back as Fenguli because most people knew him and very few remembered the original. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, the early guys, right? There are so many that are, you know, in the 50s and 60s that are just quick pop and goes, you know, that uh, are on their local stations. And I, you know, there's this great documentary. We're going to reference it at the end here. Uh, but it's called American Scary, and I highly recommend it. It's also a book where they interviewed a lot of these great horror hosts and a lot of people who were influenced by these great horror hosts. And um, and then when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about the ones we grew up with, and then we'll get into the modern era of horror hosts. And then we're going to talk about what we think it evolved to and what it's evolved to now. So wow, there's we have a lot to cover when we come back. Again, happy Halloween, travelers. And we, oh, and we know right you're back. waiting on Elvira. We're saving her for later. Oh yeah. <laughs> she should always be saved for later. Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeard.com. Eerie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan Spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncie, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Back. And we're back. Igor, keep it down. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. Just getting into horror host mode there. That was, that was, that was, I was going to be the host Count Markula. <laughs> uh, that was going to be you know, from Radio Free Transylvania. So, um, but um, if I was going to be a horror host, that was my plan. Uh, oh. But, but uh, let's, let's say, so Erica, what was your horror host that so introduced you? I th I actually think my horror host 
I think was Dr. Paul Bearer. So I don't think he gets nearly enough love because no, and he was the longest running horror host of all time. And Um, it was on Saturday afternoons. Yeah. After cartoons came the Dr. Paul Bearer show. show. Because that that was the other thing. These things were either late night or early morning for so they were it was kids who watched 90% of this stuff. We all grew up monster kids, man. Yeah. And and we watched it. And I remember the first one I watched, um, you know, it's considered a horror movie classic, but yeah. if you really watch it, it's cheesy as fuck. It really just is. That's- uh, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, the classic. Yeah. The yeah. original black and white. Yep. Night of the Living Dead. Do you know why that one was shown the most? Why you can find that one so often everywhere? Every horror host cuts their teeth on that one to practice. There's a reason. No, I did. I didn't know why. In the public domain. Oh. Because when they originally sent it out to theaters, it was a different title, and then they quickly were like, "Oh, we can't use that title." So, because there was an argument between the two creators. They brought it back, changed it to Night of the Living Dead. And because of that, they accidentally cut the frame with the copyright notice. <laughs> and that's Oops. why it's considered a public domain movie. Wow, I didn't know that. But yeah, I remember I was young. We were watching, I was watching the He-Man cartoons and the Dungeons and Dragons cartoons. Oh, yeah. And, oh yeah good stuff um, thundercats you know and all that fun stuff on saturday morning cartoons yeah barbara mid-80s and, yeah my box of cereal and my gallon of milk sitting next to me which just used to piss my mom off to no end that i would just sit there with the cereal and the milk uh-huh. and all of a sudden this zombie movie came on and i remember back then it scared the living crap out of me the thought yeah. of zombies, the thought of undeads. I mean, oh, I, was, yeah. I had ghost experiences, but people coming out of graves are going to bite me. Like, yeah. that was scary. But I remember Dr. Paul Bearer. I do, because he had the Channel cape and the... 44 WTOG in Tampa. Uh, and he was Dick Bennick, uh, who was a weatherman. And again, they got him to put on a creepy suit and he'd do it. And he would lip sync uh tom lehrer songs like everybody remembers dr paul bearer singing poisoning pigeons in the park and they all think that was him and he was just lip syncing you know to tom lehrer's original recording of it and stuff like that um he was the nicest guy in the world uh he uh his uh nephew is still doing it uh as dr paul bearer again uh doing public appearances and even has his 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 uncle's old hearse um, and, and Dr. Paul Bear's classic line was, well, for today's creature feature, we'll be watching, you know, uh, and it was called creature feature. And then he had, uh, um, and his, t- t- his send- sending line was, I'll be lurking for you. Uh, and, and it was all puns. Again, he did the classic. And again, these things were done on the lowest possible budget, cardboard sets as cheap as could be done, uh, because they were just pairing them with these movies and hoping somebody watched and they knew the kids would eat this stuff up. And so they did. Um, and uh, now mine was up in Ohio was Dr. Creep. Ooh. And he was in Cincinnati and he was still going uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, he had stopped for a little while and came back. And um, it's funny because 
he was a actor at one of the local dinner theaters. And uh, I went and saw a dinner theater show with him in it. And so when six-year-old me saw that, because I'd been watching Dr. Creep, uh, that'll tell you something about me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that um, I auditioned for a play because I thought he might be in the next one. He was, but I was very sad that he wasn't Dr. Creep, that he was, you know, the, the chancellor to the King of Siam in that one. And I was a child of the King of Siam. That was my first paid acting gig, gang. Yeah, oh, there's, wow. there's your collector's item. Go find that, uh, you know, La Comedia Dinner Theater, King and I, 1975, I think. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, Muncie Bunny Trail. But anyway, Dr. Creep, the first movie I saw was actually El Santo versus The Mummy. Oh. And I was so young, I barely remember it. And I know Dr. Creep showed a few of the El Santo movies, which were basically Mexican wrestler luchadors versus monsters were the El Santo movies. Sometimes he'd fight gangsters. Sometimes he'd fight aliens. Uh, but it was generally always monsters uh, for the ones that Dr. Creep showed. And I don't even, the plots were so rudimentary. I don't even think I needed to know that they were subtitled. Uh, you, you could just figure it out that eventually El Santo was going to have to wrestle Dracula you know, you know, somewhere in a cave that would suddenly look like a ring. Yeah, uh, yeah, it would suddenly look like a wrestling ring. Um, and if he was lucky, he teamed up with his partner, Blue Demon. You know, oh so my gosh. Like oh my gosh. Batman and Robin of, of Monsterdom. So I remember those. And then when I moved to Florida, it was Dr. Yeah, it was Dr. Paul Bearer. Was yeah, still- and Elvira, I think, because I remember watching in California, and I think Elvira was... She, rose, she came she was in the 80s and she everybody knows her i mean she's still around doing events and stuff she didn't do that very long i think it's less than two years that she actually ran but people still all talk about her. i think she became more famous after she stopped horror hosting and her movie came out and you know and then all that happened and you know then she shows up in the peewee herman movie and she's you know, showing up in all these other movies as characters and stuff. So, uh, you know, now she's she's done it again occasionally for specials and anniversary specials and stuff. She did a lot for DVD when DVDs were first coming out. It was Elvira Presents. And it was another way of repackaging these movies to sell them to DVD. And that was what started happening was that's what started killing the horror hosts was the rise of home video. Because no, and, that, and that makes sense. She did it from 81 to 86. Also five years, five years, longer than I thought. Yeah. So, uh, but then, you know, that's what happened with these things is, um, you know, video starts rising and now you can be your own host. You don't have to have a host. You're watching it at home. You pick what movie you want to watch. You're not having to sit at five, you know, at two in the afternoon being bored. You can just pop in the VHS you want to watch or you know, and, and all that. And and then we also start the rise of cable. So there are now more channels and more things to watch. You're not forced to watch those four channels that we'd all grown up with, you know. Um, well, and it's true because you could, you know, when, when video, because I think younger people won't understand that video stores came out and this is before Blockbuster was a hit. There was local video stores mm-hmm. and you had to, well, it started with you had to buy the videos and it wasn't like in 
mass quantities the way it is now is there'd be a couple of videos and you you couldn't run down to Walmart and that kind of stuff to get them right away. Like that's not how the when Genesis. When first come out, they'd be ninety dollars because they wanted you to rent them. You know, they didn't want to sell them to you. They yeah, and you could rent them, but when you rented them, they didn't have a horror host to begin with. You threw them in either your VHS or Betamax if we're gonna yeah. go old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you watched a movie, and then cable happened, and you could watch movies on cable TV. Yeah. Which was different than didn't have to drive to the store and and, yeah. and bring it home. You didn't have to return it, but you had to watch what was on. You you, you couldn't you know, curate your stuff. But um, but also at this point, the other thing that's that's going on that's that's changing things a little bit, that's kind of killing off the horror host, as it were, is that infomercials start popping oh. up. And instead of trying to get advertising revenue to get $6,000 from a couple local places to advertise on the ter terrible movie, they could get $6,000 to, you know, the, uh, you know, set it and forget it guy or Mr. Popeil or whatever starts filling those late night hours and those early morning hours. So it's a, it's, it literally is killing the horror hosts and they start, they, they all, and most of these guys were doing it for fun. For larks, you know, it wasn't for money. Yeah, uh, uh, it was. Well, and it wasn't a, a highly paid gig either. It was oh. like, hey, who can we get to put on a ridiculous costume and lay in a yeah. coffin and say something funny? Now, there were some that did different things. There was one guy, I cannot remember his name, but he sat with a cigar and would actually talk about the details of the making of the movie and stuff like that. And he becomes the predecessor of you know basically the dvd features uh which later becomes the the you know, the uh you know the the guys on amc movie classics where they're you know talking about the movie and all that which i think evolves into our more modern hosts which are things like joe bob briggs who's been doing this a long time himself he was the you know, the drive-in movie review critic he had done regular reviews, but he made this persona of Joe Bob so that he could review these cheesy cornball movies and give them the same love as Out of Africa, right? Yeah, uh, you know, and and stuff like that. And that was the the joke was, you know, the year Out of Africa wins Best Picture and Ghostbusters doesn't even get nominated, right? You know what what there's a problem there, right? Uh, so that's yeah. but the horror hosts kind of drop off the map. Um, they they start disappearing. A few are lingering and all that, but they kind of go away until until I think they morph again. It's one of those they start changing again, and we get the throwback that is Mystery Science Theater three thousand, which, which is a different mutation yes. of the horror host. So for but, those that may not know, Mark. What is Mystery Science Theater? Mystery Science Theater 3000 comes out on a local cable channel, mm -hmm. which this the, the horrors were kind of coming back on early cable access uh, because that was a thing for a while was your local cable channel to get away with some government fees that they could charge you. Uh, they would have to allow a channel where you could do your own programming. And if you took a class and did a few things, you can make your own. So people would throw up random channel, random shows. Uh, that they would make. I worked on a few projects myself 
uh, the wonderful Chip Haynes, who writes the Oliver Possum books now. Uh, we did a couple movies and stuff like that. But one of the guys up there in Minnesota gets together with a few friends, and he's good with puppets and stuff like that. His name's Joel Hodgson. He comes up with the idea of hosting some of these really terrible movies, doing like a horror host. But instead of a horror host, he does it as a science fiction theme because he's going to focus on science fiction movies originally. And he gets the two puppets as robots and he does a storyline where he's trapped in space and he's being forced to watch these terrible movies by evil scientists who want to see if they can melt his brain by making him watch terrible entertainment. And he also, they survive the movie by making fun of the movie. So when you watch a terrible movie, you shout at it. You, you know, you say, Oh my God, I can't believe you're an idiot. I can't believe you're doing that. And then this was just basically they had done it and you have two incredible, you know, three or four incredibly talented people sitting in a room with you yelling at the screen. So some people hate it because it's not pure. You're not watching the movie. It's you're hearing jokes and stuff over the movie. But for those of us of a certain age, that was perfect. This it was because there was a lot of it that we saw that we all were thinking. And when we were together, we're like, what the hell? So this was literally our inner monologues right in yeah. front of us and done really, really, really well. Really, really well with some of the most brilliant writers of all time for film and stuff. And then Comedy Central was running that nightly after Comedy Central picked it up from the local station. They, they There was a couple seasons on their local station and Comedy Central desperate for... Now the cable channels are desperate for content. They find something really cool like that. They bought it up and gave it a bit of a budget gave it an improvement and it went on for a number of seasons, became one of their top shows for a long time until they decided to do run nothing but South park and the daily show. Uh, but, um, which was a time that's all you found on, you know, comedy center. Uh, but, um, that's where it, I think it changed. And a lot of the horror hosts liked it and hated it at the same time because they saw bits that they were doing being done, but they also, some of them didn't like that they were talking through the movie and stuff like that, but others, Thought it was great. Um, and that's, you know, for a long time that happened. And then even that went away. That's true. Uh, and But it it has kind of come back again. It's coming back. It's, yeah, in a way. We've got the, the Gizmoplex. You can you can pay for that and stream it. But it's also Rift Tracks is the, the spinoff. And they still, you can, those are great because you can download the files and watch them with any movie. Uh, yeah, so they don't have to wait for the rights to the movie. Uh, to come out so they you can do that with your twilight movies that's the only way i got through the twilight movies was thank you riff tracks uh yeah but, no, that's true but i'm talking horror hosts because it morphed again yeah. it did it did because it becomes youtube commenters youtube people saying oh i'm gonna i'm gonna you know rip on this movie i saw and all this but it turns into Another thing, because some people are listening to those, you know, audio tracks and people are doing this, but people like stories. People are storytellers and people want someone to tell them ghost stories. People want someone to tell them haunted places to go visit. Some people want to tell them experiences that people have experienced and all that. I think it's morphed into this. Podcasting. I think, I think it has too, but I think in a little, in a way, and this happened with The Walking Dead. 
Oh, so, yeah. There's another way it's evolved. Yeah. Yes. So I think there are those of us that are doing the same thing that these horror hosts did, but more um, true stories, you know, not just scary ghost stories or made up things with terrible yeah. horror movies, but um, with uh, so that's podcasting and what we do. And thank you, listeners. We love you. Um, but, you know, The Walking Dead came out and The Walking Dead did something very different, which is brought a horror story to the main screen mm. again, to the little screen again, and a very graphic horror story to the thing. And we have American horror story and stuff like that, but The Walking Dead has been running a little bit longer. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we'll do a separate thing on zombies. About it really, you know, it was the first time that had happened on television in ages. In ages and not on a weird cable thing and stuff. This was AMC went, okay, we'll give you eight episodes. I mean, you know that entire conversation. They're just going, well, this will be interesting if nothing else, right? Because popular comic book, but you yeah, know. and and you know that, and we'll talk about Walking Dead later. But what happened is people wanted to talk about what was happening in those shows. Yeah, on and the message boards on the internet. So. Let's give and, them a show. And that's what they did is they gave them a show to talk about it. And now Joe Bob Briggs has a very similar show again, talking about well, the Walking Dead. Yeah, because he's come full circle. He's he's come back from his monster vision days uh to do talk about Walking Dead on you know on AMC and Shudder. You know, and yeah. Um he's still horror hosting, which I love. Uh, but again, they had to bring him out of retirement. They didn't bring him out of retirement until you know a few years ago. And they broke shutter when they brought him out of retirement because so many people were so eager to see a horror host host uh, you know, a show. And and again, Spanguli is back on ME. Uh, and um, there's a lot of the hosts have come back in a big way. Elvira even did a special anniversary where she hosted uh, the old classic House on Haunted Hill uh, again on Shudder. So, um, yeah, and she did the old bits and. And I think what was funny is it's some people love the Joe Bob style where it's in-depth storytelling in between the the you know the commercial breaks of who did what and who directed this and what was the homage and what has this actor also been in and stuff like that. He's like a DVD commentary and then also some fun political and social commentary on top of it. Uh, and then he tells terrible dad jokes. So I love him. And then yeah. he's got Darcy, who's the male girl who is basically the vampire sex appeal of the episode. Uh, but then you've got the talking dead. You've got which is you know, Chris Harwick. Uh, and yeah, yeah. They, they, he, he really went, you know what? I'm going to capitalize on everybody wanting to talk about this horror show. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people did not expect um, what walking dead would do and bring. And it did bring back things where it showed the American public wants to see horror stuff again. Yeah, and we also want to nerd out about it as much yes. as possible. So, and that's that's the thing. I think that's where it really is. It was it was nerdy before. It's nerdy again. Yeah, yes. it's 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 great. Um, I'm so happy that this is all coming full circle again. Um, gang, that's that's what we do. Is we're telling ghost stories. We're horror hosts in our own right. Right. So. And um, Mark looks amazing in an Elvira costume. I'll post pictures as soon as that's, possible. Yeah, that's coming. That's <laughs> coming. But 
Yeah, I had I had the caretaker of Hellview Cemetery, and uh, I'm sure I could dust off Count Markula again if I needed to. But uh, um, you know, it's gang. It is Happy Halloween. Happy I hope you're Halloween. out getting all kinds of trick or treats, and thank you for giving us this amazing first few months of this podcast. I can't believe how far we've come. That is the greatest trick or treat joy for us. Uh, I'm going to open up that wrapper and make myself sick eating that. Uh, you know, okay, tonight. that just got weird. How did you make know, it weird? I, you made but... it weird. Like we were just saying thank you to our amazing travelers that are on this journey with us, and you went completely left. Hey, like... You know, it is it is what it is. You know, you know. So so check your candy. Follow the rules. Sam taught us that from trick or treat. You know, you know, check your candy. Don't put out the jack o' lantern until after midnight. Yo, wear Don't a costume. Don't take down the decorations. Yeah, wear a costume. Don't take down your decorations. And always, gang, remember the veil is thin. So we will see you on the other side.